unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household so that there was, this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. Wasn't that lovely sibling companionship? Uh, but it says it was so on the days that of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offering according to the number of them all. And Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed gods in their heart. I wonder why he didn't think his daughters had done that. Anyway, thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of men came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, uh, From whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the, the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and the consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans uh, made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. God is greater than our troubles has been the theme of our Wednesday evening Bible studies, which, of course, this message was, was planned for. In my mind, it's hard to think about troubles in the Bible without thinking about Job, where we get a, a sneak peek behind the scenes view of troubles. I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach today and thankful for the messages that pastors already preached on this subject when he asked me at the beginning of the month if I would be able to preach on Wednesday night, God brought an outline to my mind quite quickly, and I was on pins and needles for the next two Sundays, or next two Wednesdays rather, thinking, is pastor going to steal my thunder? 
So um, I shouldn't have worried because if the Lord gave me the message and the Lord's giving him the messages, then they're not going to conflict. They're going to complement one another. Uh, so there really shouldn't have been any issue in my mind. But as a preacher, you always wonder, you know, are they gonna, is this person going to steal my thunder? If the pastor steals your thunder, I guess that's okay. If, if anyone's going to do it, he deserves to because he is the pastor of our church. I appreciate Pastor Burns. I have uh, been a member of this church under every pastor that's been a pastor of the church. I have served under every, every pastor as different preaching and singing, whatever uh, I've been asked to do, and I, I appreciate Pastor Burns. I was thinking the other day, he's the first pastor in my life that's been younger than me. And uh, that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. I, I appreciate uh, his youthful zeal for the Lord, and yet his wisdom that he has to lead the church, and so I appreciate that. Uh, but again, thankful for this opportunity. Yeah, the, the messages he preached on the subject did not steal my thunder, rather they really paved the way, and, and particularly the last one he preached about Joseph. Um, we will make one reference to Joseph in the message this afternoon. I just got four points I'd like us to consider this afternoon that show that God is greater than our troubles. The first one, realize this, God allows troubles into our lives. We see that very clearly in the passage that we just read. God allows troubles into our lives. Although troubles in general are part of life, God's greatness over them is seen in his allowance of them into our lives. You know, they don't just happen to God's, troubles don't just happen to God's people without God's permission and God's awareness. I like the, the expression pastor often used, uses about the, the things that come into our life are father filtered. God is the one who allows these things into our life. And again, we see that very clearly here in, in the book of Job in the text we just read. Also, not only God allows troubles, God is acquainted with troubles. I couldn't help but think as I thought of this passage of scripture when Satan comes before the Lord. You know, this was not the first time that Satan was looking to cause trouble for God. Uh, in heaven, we read about it in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, um, we find that, that Satan said, I will be like the Most High. I will exalt my throne above the throne of God. So we see that Satan caused trouble in heaven. Then, of course, he, he caused trouble on paradise earth, didn't he? The very beginning, the Garden of Eden, where everything was perfect, until what? Satan showed up and tempted Adam and Eve, and Eve was deceived, and Adam willingly knew what he was doing and, and succumbed to the devil's temptation. So God is acquainted with trouble. It's, it's not something that God does not know about. Further than that, we read in Isaiah 53, 3, of prophesying of Christ, uh, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus did experience many troubles in his life upon the earth, as short as it was. He lived in what we would probably call poverty. He, had, he said he had nowhere to lay his head. He relied upon other people to take him in. He didn't have his own house. So he suffered what we might say poverty or, or you know, slim pickings for financial needs. Um, he suffered slander, didn't he? Boy, he was slandered all the time by the scribes and the Pharisees and even some of his family and different uh, ones. Much misunderstanding. Jesus suffered much misunderstanding. They accused him of many things that weren't true. Murder attempts. Remember when they tried to throw him off a cliff? 
but he, he made his way out. But so Jesus suffered all kinds of trouble, betrayal by Judas, one of the 12, and desertion by the other 11. Those are troubles of life. None of us would like to experience any of those things. Uh, false accusations and much more as he was ultimately crucified for us, providing our salvation. So God is acquainted with troubles. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. God's greatness over troubles is seen that when he was acquainted with them, he had victory over them as he faced them. So God allows troubles. God is acquainted with troubles. But like us to see thoroughly, God adapts our troubles. God adapts our troubles. God takes what the enemy would desire to use to destroy us, even as we see he was wanting to do to Job, and bring, turns it round and brings it to, to some sort of benefit. One said that God is the only one who can take a mess and make it a message. And he can take a test and make, turn it into a testimony. Undoubtedly, that's one of the reasons that God allows troubles into our lives, is because he knows he can adapt them. We could put it this way. We could say that God advances his purpose in our lives sometimes through troubles. He adapts them, or he advances his purpose through those troubles. How about Job? Well, the end of the book says this in Job 42.12, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. God adapted the troubles of Job. Not only was Job greatly blessed, though, and we, we could read, if we had time to read the, the text, it tells us that he had how many sheep and oxen and all the different things that he had, which I believe was double what he had before. But God blessed the latter end. He never did curse God. His wife told him to curse God and die. Satan said, he'll curse you to your face if you take what he's got and take it away from him. But he didn't, and God turned it around and, and used it as a blessing to Job in the end. Not only that, though, you think about Job's life and Job's own life and how God blessed him at the end, but how many people have been helped with this sneak beat behind the scenes of troubles of life in Job's life? You know, we can look, when we have troubles, we can open our Bibles to the book of Job and we can see why they happen. And that God is still at work, God is still sovereign, God is still able to adapt them. We can look at, Job couldn't go back to the book of Job, by the way. It was happening and he didn't know the end. He didn't know he was going to be blessed twice as much as he was at the beginning. He couldn't go back to any, any scripture, by the way, because uh, the, the scholars tell us that Job is the most ancient book in the Bible. Obviously, it doesn't predate the history of Genesis because Genesis starts in the beginning. But it predates, they, they believe, the uh, life of Moses and uh, possibly the patriarchs. So Job didn't have a whole lot to go on. He just decided he was going to trust God. But he didn't have a chapter and verse to go to and say, you know, Here's what I'm going to trust God to do because he did it for Joseph and he did it for, you know, he didn't have the text like we have the text. But how, much, how many people have been helped by this very story that we're reading about this morning? So God took Job's troubles and he turned them into something that could be used by us today, thousands and thousands of years later. Psalm 11967 says this, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. So affliction, trouble, sometimes it, it gets us back on track. We've heard a few stories just recently, haven't we? Bobby Robinson, pastor mentioned to us from, from Nova Scotia, who had turned down the gospel many, for many years, and he had an accident and uh, very seriously injured. We've been praying for him on our Bible studies, 
and uh, what happened through that? He got saved. So God took what was a terrible tragedy. He lost, he lost his wife in that accident, I believe. But God took that tragedy and brought it about to bring him to salvation, eternal salvation. God adapts our troubles. Not only Bobby Robinson, but uh, a few weeks ago, Brother Wood read us the prayer letter from the Goodmans down in Mexico. Uh, two men that he read about in that last prayer letter. One man had been connected with the church, I think, and had a very serious accident, nearly died, ended up in hospital. And again, he'd been resistant to the gospel, but he got saved when he nearly died in that accident. And through him being in hospital, another man who was also very seriously injured uh, in an accident also had the opportunity to hear the gospel and got saved. So God can adapt our troubles. Satan seeks to destroy us, but consider how God can adapt those troubles. And by the way, God promises not to let troubles overwhelm us. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. By the way, that way of escape is not always an instant you know, parachute or ejection seat out of the trouble. That way of escape might be the presence of God, as we'll look at it in a minute, and the, the grace of God to help us through that trouble. What did Joseph's brothers, why did they sell him into slavery? Was it because they, they could see that one day he was going to end up to be the prime minister of Egypt? No. God had plans for Joseph, but that wasn't, they weren't his brother's plans. His brother's plans were to, to get rid of him, to get rid of this troublemaker who thinks we're going to bow down to him one day. Of course, what they did, ultimately, God turned it around to, to fulfill the promises that God had given to Joseph that they would bow down to him. Joseph said to them later in Genesis 50, verse 20, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Joseph's brother said, We'll get rid of him. We'll sell him to the, you know, initially we'll kill him. Then one of the brothers said, No, let's not kill him. Let's make some money off him and just pretend that he's dead. But they wanted to get rid of him. But God said, I can take the tragedy of Joseph's life and I can make some great things. I can preserve life through that. God adapts our troubles. Though Satan thought to destroy Christ through having Christ crucified, God used that to provide salvation, fulfill prophecy, and seal Satan's very doom. You know, the promise to Eve back in the garden about the, the seed of the woman um, said it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel that's, that's talking about Satan his head was bruised by, by Jesus' death and resurrection Hebrews tw uh, 2 says this way in verse 14 and 15 for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You can imagine how Satan thought, We've got, I've gotten rid of Christ, I've gotten rid of the Son of God. He's dead, he's crucified. But God said, no, actually what's going to happen, he's going to rise from the dead. And by the way, Satan, your doom is sealed. He just destroyed you by his death and resurrection. See, God can adapt our troubles. In Acts chapter 8, 
we find the persecution of the church, we say that, that's, a, that's a sad thing. Well, it is too bad that the, the, the authorities, of the Jewish authorities and so on were persecuting the church. But you know, God adapted that trouble. God used that trouble to spread the gospel out from Jerusalem to do what Jesus had told disciples to do. You shall receive power. Wait for the promise of the Father, but once you have the promise of the Father, you shall receive power to be witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, but in Judea and Samaria and unto the other most parts of the earth. They'd stayed around in Jerusalem, but God said, I can take that, that persecution that's against my people and use it to spread out my people to spread the gospel where it needs to go. God adapts our troubles. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. See, our troubles, our light affliction, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We have our troubles in this temporal life, but we, if we allow God to use them in our life, he's going to adapt them to bring glory for eternity, eternal glory. Paul's thorn in the flesh, what was that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Paul said it was the messenger of Satan to buffet him. Satan was trying to get at Paul and get Paul discouraged and get Paul down, stop him in his tracks. But what did God do? God adapted that. When Paul said, God, take this thorn away, God said, no, Paul, I'm going to teach you some things through that. And you're going to learn that when you are weak, then you are strong. See, God adapted that trouble. And so much to the point that Paul said, most gladly, therefore, or rather, glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So I'll glory in my infirmities for the power of Christ. Satan said, I want to buffet you with this. The pastor's told us before, buffeting's like punching in the face. Yeah, I'm going to punch you with this, Paul. And God said, no, it's not going to punch him. It's going to make him glory in me and, and see my power in his life. See, God adapts our troubles. We know Romans 8, 28, I'm sure. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. How do they work together for good? Because God adapts them and works them together for good. What a wonderful thing to, to think about uh, how God can adapt our troubles. But fourthly and finally this afternoon, if you're still awake and with me, uh, God accompanies us in our troubles. God allows troubles. He's acquainted with troubles. He adapts troubles. But never forget that when you're going through troubles, Christian, he accompanies you with them, you know, through them. Job couldn't see it. As a matter of fact, he got so frustrated and upset at one point he said, where is God, if I, could, if I could just have an audience with God, I, I want to talk to him. Where is, where is he that I could find him? But God wasn't far away because we find God joined the conversation. You know, there was those three comforters that Job eventually said they were miserable comforters, but they kept telling him things throughout the book of Job. That's really what most of the book of Job is. We get to chapter 38. It says, then the Lord answered Job. God wasn't far away. God was there. God knew exactly what Job was going through. And Job uh, recognized that at the end when God came and said, now Job, yeah, I got some questions for you to answer. Again, Job didn't have those promises like we have in Hebrews 13, 5, where God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man can do unto me. He accompanies us in our trouble. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, Psalm 46, 1. says, Psalm 91, 15 says, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and will deliver him and honor him. 
And in Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2, Now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, fear not for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. He said, didn't say when, I, when you pass through the waters, I'll give you a, I'll give you a boat to, to float through. He said, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Friend, today, I don't know what's going on in your life, but God does. And he's greater than it. You say, how do you know he's greater than it? Well, because he allows them. They didn't just happen. He allowed them. He is acquainted with trouble. He adapts our troubles, and he accompanies us in our troubles. Pastor. Thank you so much, Brother Wyatt. That's a great challenge. Great challenge indeed. Appreciate your wisdom in that. Uh, let's take our hymn book.